said to the church in Ephesus when they had left their first love in Revelation chapter 2, he says, I want you to repent and do the first works. I want you to go back and do again what you did in the beginning. And these memorial stones that the children of Israel are setting up as they are moving into the promised land for the very first time is meant to be a continual reminder to the children of Israel what God has done. And we need those reminders, don't we? Setting up spiritual memorials for yourself is a good idea for a few reasons, as we'll discover in today's message. Pastor Daniel will share that memorials remind us of God's faithfulness and are a picture of what he's done in our lives. They can urge us to return to those times of trust, especially when we've strayed away. These reminders also serve as a testimony for future generations, showing the power of God and the benefit of faith. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Joshua chapter 4 with part one of his message, The Stones. Let's open up in our Bibles to the book of Joshua, chapter 4. Joshua, chapter 4, as we continue our study as leisurely as it may be through the Bible here in the book of Joshua. You know, I was thinking about this as I was coming to church, about what an awesome blessing it is to get to study the Word of God together. You know, it's something that if you've been learning the scriptures for a while and studying them, you have a tendency maybe to take it for granted a little bit that God chose to give us his work and his heart in a book. And we live in a day and age where if it's not new, it's not important. But what's beautiful is that as you study the word of God, you begin to realize that although cultures are different and situations are different, God never changes and people never change, although the details of their lives might change. And things that went on thousands of years ago are so relevant for us in this generation and really in every generation. Now, what's beautiful today is I've called this message the stones because we're at that point where the children of Israel are finally walking into the promised land. God had promised hundreds of years earlier, and now they're actually, for the first time as an entire nation, walking into the inheritance that God had given them. But God, before he just, it's not like just go on in and just go for it. It's like, go on in, and I want you to erect a memorial, because left up to your own devices, you're going to forget what God has done. Now think about that for a second, that it's so normal for us in the busyness of our lives that we forget what God has done. And because we forget what God has done, then it changes the way that we live in the present. Because when we remember how faithful God has been in our lives, then all of a sudden it gives us hope in the present, whatever's going on. I mean, how many of us right now, we're fearful and we're anxious But if we begin to remember what God has already done in our life, all the ways that God has moved and shown himself to us, how that would change the way we're feeling in the present moment. 
So we need these memorials. We need these ways to recollect what God has done. It's interesting because within Christianity, of course, you have Christmas and Easter. But when most people think about Christmas and Easter, most of society doesn't think about Jesus. You think about Easter bunnies and getting a bad credit card debt. If you're an adult, if you're a child, you just think about a lot of presents. But the rest of us just think about all this debt that I'm racking up. But that's what happens in our culture, where all of a sudden you take something and it gets slightly changed so that it misses the point. And I think what's important for each one of us is we need to learn in this generation how to set up memorials to be able to remember the things that God has done, right? I mean, we do it for birthdays, for anniversaries. I mean, I remember someone told me just when Lynn and I first got married, they said, on your anniversary, you should always watch your wedding video. And I said, why? And they said, because the promises that you made then, you're going to forget over time because everything isn't new as time goes by. You know, I was just talking to a friend of mine who just watched his wedding video and he said, you know, I was actually really convicted by watching it because the promises that we made to one another, we're really not living them right now. And it's a good reminder. It's like what Jesus said to the church in Ephesus when they had left their first love in Revelation chapter two. He says, I want you to repent and do the first works. I want you to go back and do again what you did in the beginning. And these memorial stones that the children of Israel are setting up as they are moving into the promised land for the very first time is meant to be a continual reminder to the children of Israel what God has done. And we need those reminders, don't we? I mean, I don't know about you. I need pretty much reminders for everything at this point, you know? I need to remember to pay my bills on time. I need to remember to get somewhere on time. And so we need to make sure we don't forget the things that God has done. So let's break this open together. So the book of Joshua, chapter 4, picking up in verse 1, it says this. And it came to pass when all the people had completely crossed over the Jordan that the Lord spoke to Joshua, saying, take for yourselves 12 men from the people, one man from every tribe, and command them, saying, take for yourselves 12 stones from here out of the midst of the Jordan, from the place where the priests feet stood firm, you shall carry them over with you and leave them in the lodging place where you lodge tonight. Then Joshua called the 12 men whom he had appointed from the children of Israel, one man from each tribe. And Joshua said to them, cross over before the ark of the Lord, your God into the midst of the Jordan. And each one of you take up a stone On his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, that this may be a sign among you when your children ask in time to come, saying, what do these stones mean to you? Then you shall answer them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it crossed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. And these stones shall be for a memorial to the children of Israel forever. So this idea of raising stones, it's a common memorial. But what we find here is that the children of Israel, as they're passing over the Jordan River. Now, if you remember at the end of chapter 3, what we learned is just like the passing of the children of Israel over what we know as the Red Sea or more 
specifically the Sea of Reeds, that God stopped the water. So although there was a body of water there, the children of Israel were able to go across on dry land. The exact same type of thing is happening, but now it's the Jordan River and they're leaving where they were wandering in the wilderness and they're moving into the promised land. And he says, so as you go, I want you to choose one person from each of the 12 tribes. So the idea is we're picking representatives from the whole group of the children of Israel, one from each tribe. And as they're going, they're picking up a stone from the middle of the Jordan, and they're putting it on the place together where they're going to sleep that evening, right? So they're taking rocks out of the Jordan, and now they're going to put it in the promised land at the very first place that they are going to sleep. And what goes on, of course, is by the time you get towards verse 6 and verse 7, it says that this may be a sign among you when your children ask in time to come, saying, what do these stones mean? And you shall answer them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. Now, so the idea here is that these stones are meant to be educational tools. See, now, that's part of the keys of these memorials. Not only are they for us to remember, but for successive generations who weren't a part of this, they'll see this stack of stones and they'll say, what's that all about? And they'll say, oh, you know what happened? This is what happened. And all through your Bible, you find that God places a premium on the children of Israel making sure they explain these things to their children. I mean, if you think of that great Shema in Deuteronomy chapter 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. Right? And he goes on to say, and you shall teach these things to your children when you're lying down and you're rising up, when you're walking on the way. See, so much of what God wants is he wants to create environments for us to learn in. How many times have you ever gone to a friend's house and you see something there and you're like, hey, what is that? What's that all about? See, it's a conversation starter. And God wants the good news of who he is and what he's done to run forth from generation to generation. You know, it's interesting. We live in a day and age where people have a tendency to say things like, and some of you have heard this, you know, I think it's wrong that you raise your kids to believe in your religion. That's brainwashing. You ever hear that kind of stuff? What's so funny is, is like, you know, people don't like competition, They want you to give them their faith-based beliefs, but you can't give them your own. And super ironic, I'm like, oh, so you think that it's brainwashing for me to share my faith, but you want to share your non-faith, and that's not brainwashing. I get that. People don't like competition, right? And so the idea is all education is, in a sense, brainwashing, right? All education is an attempt at socialization. And so whether you... Teach a child not to believe in anything, that is a faith-based position. Whether you believe all religions, that's a faith-based proposition. Or if you say, we believe in the Bible, the true and living God, the creator and sustainer of all things, who sent his son Jesus to come and live and die on a cross and to be risen from the grave. All of them are faith-based. And one doesn't get to be privileged just because it's yours. But don't miss the fact that God's design for discipleship is mom and dad with their kids. God created the family to be the primary discipling unit. So parents, are you pouring into your kids? Are you setting up memorial stones that they would say, hey, what happened here? Hey, what's that all about? 
so that you have all these opportunities to share with your kids about the faithfulness of God. I'll be honest with you, as a parent, there's nothing more fun than getting to teach my kids about who the Lord is and what he's done. There's nothing more beautiful than to be able to pour into them and say, this is what God did in my life. This is how he worked in my life. And we want to be on the lookout for that. And God is interested in that. He's interested in making sure that his people pass on the reality of who he is to the next generation. Now, Picking up in verse 8, it says this, And the children of Israel did so just as Joshua commanded. They took up 12 stones from the midst of the Jordan. As the Lord had spoken to Joshua, according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, and carried them over with them to the place where they lodged, and laid them down there. Then Joshua set up 12 stones in the midst of the Jordan, in the place where the feet of the priests who bore the Ark of the Covenant stood, And they are there to this day. Now what you find is that really there's not one memorial, there's two. There's one in the midst of the Jordan River. And then there's another one where they're going to be camping, which is in a city called Gilgal, which we're going to talk about in a little bit. And so you actually have two memorials, one in the middle of the Jordan. Now imagine you go to the Jordan River and you see all these rocks stacked out in the middle of it. Wouldn't that be an interesting sight? See, why? Because... It's a reminder. We actually walked on dry ground here and we were able to stack these rocks. Now there's water everywhere, but those rocks still stand. See, God loves those testimonies. But if you think about this, you also realize that this was a great test for the children of Israel, wasn't it? I mean, 38 years earlier, they were right on the edge of the promised land, but they didn't trust God and they didn't go in. Now they're walking in on dry ground where there used to be a big river. And it speaks to how God wants to take our testings and he wants to create a testimony. That is how God uses the tests and the struggles of your life. He takes the tests and when he shows up and when he works, he creates a testimony. Now for most of us, we don't like the testing unless we realize God's end game, which is to create a testimony. These things that are testing, like, oh, these aren't some sort of a problem. This is God's way of making me into the man or woman of God he wants me to be. That's what God is doing. God is seeking to make us into the likeness and conformity to Jesus. And he uses all these circumstances. But what happens is is in the midst of them, we take our eyes off of what God is doing and we despair in the midst of them rather than saying, I know that all things are working together for my good, even this. And I felt really strongly impressed that I needed to bring that up because I think there's some of us right now who are hearing this, who you're despairing and you're forgetting that God wants to make a testimony in your life through these things. Maybe it's a health struggle. Maybe it's a financial hardship. Maybe everything that you had planned just fell apart. What if God needed all this to happen to put you where he really wants you? See, when we get our eyes off of what we think ought to happen and we say, Lord, your ways are better than mine. Your plans are higher than mine. God, what you are doing and what you have in store for me, eye has not seen nor ear has heard. Then all of a sudden, all of these struggles become beautiful adventures. For the children of Israel, walking in the Jordan in the midst of dry ground 
They could have been there 38 years earlier. But they didn't trust God. So we begin to say, Lord, teach us to trust you. Lord, teach me to trust you. Lord, what is happening in my life right now is not my preference, but I know that you are going to leverage this to make me more like Jesus, and so thank you. We need to learn how to say these things and believe these things. We need to learn how to be able to say, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. The children of Israel have these memorial stones to remind them of where they've been and what God has done and all of these raised questions. Now, in verse 10 of Joshua chapter 4, it says this. So the priests who bore the ark stood in the midst of the Jordan until everything was finished that the Lord had commanded Joshua to speak to the people according to all that Moses had commanded Joshua. And the people hurried and crossed over. And then it came to pass when all the people had completely crossed over that the ark of the Lord and the priests crossed over in the presence of the people. And the men of Reuben and the men of Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh crossed over, armed before the children of Israel, as Moses had spoken to them, about 40,000 prepared for war, crossed over before the Lord for battle to the plains of Jericho. On that day, the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all Israel, and they feared him as they had feared Moses all the days of his life. Now, when you realize that the priests are holding the ark and they're standing in the middle of the Jordan where there's no water right now and everybody else is going over, it's kind of a provocative scene because for the children of Israel, the ark of the covenant was meant to be the visible presence of God amongst the people. And that ark was hidden away in the tabernacle and ultimately in the temple. And only the high priest could go in there one time a year. So now it's sitting there on display while everyone crosses over. Now you'd get the sense, I don't know about you, but if like all of a sudden you're trying to cross a river and the water stops, like you might run across, take your valuables out first, right? But you have the sense that God has these priests holding this ark and they're just hanging out waiting until everything's done. And that shows some faith, doesn't it? That they don't feel like, man, we got to get this thing across. We got to get this thing in there because the, well, if everyone else dies, but the Ark of the Covenant's here, we're going to be all good. But there's this patience. There's this patient trust in what God is doing. And as it's happened, Joshua is doing his part. He is a good leader. He is telling the people what the Lord would have for them. And everybody is honoring that. Now, of course, in verse 11, all the people cross on over. They do everything that they're supposed to do. And not only that, in verse 12, we find out about the men of Reuben and Gad and the half tribe of Manasseh. Now you remember, out of the 12 tribes, these two and a half tribes, they wanted to stay on the other side of the Jordan. But in order for them to do it, Moses made them promise that when everybody goes in, the men who are going to be part of the army have to go in. They have to help their brethren. And now we find these two and a half tribes are also coming on over to fulfill the commands that Moses had given them. And if you want a reference for this, this is Numbers 32 and Deuteronomy chapter 3 gets the reiteration of this exact reality. So everything that's supposed to happen is happening. But then we also read this, and I think this is so powerful. On that day, the Lord 
exalted Joshua in the sight of all of Israel, and they feared him as they feared Moses all the days of his life. So now with this parting of the Jordan River and the people moving into the promised land, now all of a sudden they realize God's hand is on Joshua just the way it was on Moses. Now, even though Joshua had taken the place of Moses, now in the hearts of the people, this is the guy. This is the person who God has anointed to be our leader, and we can trust that. And this idea of fear, it's not that they're terrified of him, but they reverence God's anointing on his life and the plans that God has for them. Now, one of the things I love about this is we should learn how to be in awe of the anointing that God has on people's lives. And I'm here to tell you, if you're here today and you're in Christ, you've been anointed and appointed by the Lord. There's an anointing on your life. And we need to learn how to appreciate God's hand on our brothers and sisters in Christ. Because what goes on is that because for many of us we have insecurities, instead of enjoying and celebrating God's anointing on someone's life, we say, well, why isn't my life like that person's life? And what you do is you don't allow what God is doing to be a blessing to you because you personalize it as if it means something negative about you. And doesn't this happen all the time? It's kind of a natural consequence of the self-centeredness of the fall of humanity that Jesus came and rescued us from. He died and rose again to redeem us from this kind of thinking where everything becomes, what does this mean about me? What happens if instead of saying, what does this mean about me? We say, what does this mean about our God? Because you begin to celebrate the uniquenesses that people have. We begin to learn how to say, Lord, I love that you made that person that way. And Lord, I love that you made me different to be used uniquely by you. See, God in his wisdom chose Moses and he chose Joshua to be the leaders, but everybody in the life of the children of Israel had an integral role to play in the purposes and plans of God. Yeah, Moses and Joshua were the face people for it, but everyone had a part to play. I mean, think about those 12 people who were chosen to carry those rocks. What about those priests? Because of being born of the tribe of Levi, now all of a sudden they get to care for the different utensils within the worship community. See, everybody has a role to play. And when you fast forward into the New Testament, what you find is that the Apostle Paul speaks about the people of God as a body. And if you think about your body, your body has all these different parts to it. I don't know a whole lot about biology. Some of you know you love all that stuff. I don't understand a lot of it. But what I do realize is that every part of your body is perfectly suited for a specific function that if it doesn't do that, the body is not working well. Jesus is As the people of Israel crossed into the land promised them long ago, God had a unique request for them. As they went, they were to pick up 12 stones, one for each tribe, and set them up as a memorial. Today, Pastor Daniel shared how these rocks were more than just a reminder for the Israelites of what God had done. They were also a testimony to future generations a beautiful memorial of trust in the Almighty. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram have become a regular part of our everyday lives. 
And we want to be sure to encourage you to check out Pastor Daniel's Facebook page, Twitter feed, and Instagram. Log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and follow the links. Pastor Daniel shares two-minute video messages throughout the week on his Facebook page. Log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and follow Pastor Daniel. Hey, this is Josh, and I wanted to personally thank you for listening today to Jesus Is Real Radio. Did you know that Pastor Daniel also has a TV program? It's called Real with Daniel Fusco. I want to encourage you to go to JesusIsRealRadio.com Click on the stations option in the main menu and find out if Real with Daniel Fusco airs on a TV station in your area. Make sure to tune in again as Pastor Daniel reminds us that our unique talents and gifts are meant to support the body of Christ as well as reach people in a way only we can. We're to be a memorial for Christ, doing what we've been designed to do with gratitude for who God made us to be. We are Christ's hands and feet in this world, and though we may feel our contribution is small, it's actually making a big impact for the kingdom. There's more to come from Pastor Daniel's series called Conquest. Please glance at the clock right now and make plans to join us again for another edition of Jesus Is Real Radio.